by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yes, it is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you, Main Street, Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Right there on Route 15 in Woolkit. And by the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Telephone lines are open. We'd love to hear your garden questions and comments about how your garden is growing. 802-244-1777 is our number. And here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. I got a treat for us this morning. Um, uh, My neighbors and good friends, uh, Sarah and Steve uh, Gallagher, are going to call in and uh, we're going to talk about mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms specifically. And... um, the, uh, the we got started oh uh, maybe five or so years ago uh, and it was um, uh, it was uh, Steve that really got us going and it it occurred to me I, I heard my wife a couple days ago she was outside and she hollered oh my god we've got mushrooms <laughs> she was so excited because we had a mushroom bloom that was uh, completely uh, volunteer and uh, so we've she's got about oh, I don't know maybe maybe 10 or maybe more logs that that uh, uh, she nurtures along and um, uh, the the um, the the process is really pretty interesting we got to our started our start with uh, uh, Steve and Sarah uh, when uh, we came over to just sort of volunteer to uh, inoculate the logs and um, it was uh, it was a um, um, you know it was a fun sort of party really and uh, uh, what uh, we watched as uh, Steve and Sarah showed us how to uh, drill holes in uh, in logs about oh thirty or so inches long. Uh, I think he's uh, said they were like thirty two inches long or something, but we can clarify all of this when they call in. And um, then you just drill a series of holes around the log, and then there's a, an inoculant that basically looks like uh, sawdust, really. Um, apparently, it's inoculated with the uh, with the shiitake spores, 
and then uh, use a little little hammer gizmo that uh, knocks it in and compresses it into the hole that you drilled, and then you seal it off with wax. And at that point, you stick it out in a shady spot, and uh, the way they did it at the time was sort of a crisscross, almost like a log cabin uh, effect. And um, uh, then uh, after the first year of just uh, growing in inside the logs, uh, uh, then they start to bloom. And uh, what it just is so thrilling to see those beautiful shiitake mushrooms growing up out of the uh, out of the the logs. And uh, we have. Uh, Steve on the line now? Not yet. Uh, Not we'll yet. Contact him if he doesn't contact us. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. To uh, kick things off, though, we have uh, Rich from Starksboro. Oh, uh, hey, Rich. <laughs> What's up, Rich? Hi, Peter. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, some shows don't let you call in twice, but uh, <laughs> I might want to call in during the shiitake thing. Cause we, last year, we went to a place where uh, we, we volunteered our time to yes. inoculate, and yes. then they gave us a log. Yeah. Yep. Such, but I got some questions about it. I got. I want to talk about our our rain conditions right now. I think it's yeah. pretty important well, time to be thinking about that. Absolutely. Um, um, I I was, what I I've been taking up your method of watering with a cup and a mm-hmm. five gallon bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I've got freshly planted seeds. Yeah. Some of them rascals. They want you to plant them eighth inch deep and quarter inch yeah. deep. <laughs> I know. And, I know. So, so to water, what I've been doing is I've been putting my hand over the cup, yeah, yeah, and just letting it trickle down and yep. zigzagging across the, the spot no, where the seeds are. Is that you're that? absolutely right, and and yeah. uh, in those cases where they're so shallow, uh, you know, uh, oh, I do use a uh, a, a rose, um, you know, a um, a watering can that has a rosette on it. And a rosette is basically when you pour it out, it goes up and then it falls down. So it's, it's not, there's no pressure. It's just regular, you know, flat out. Um, so you, you only use the cup on... On, on the plants, plants. yeah, plants that are up and all. yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I appreciate you bringing that up because uh, that's a it's an important part that important part that I that I didn't detail. So yeah, it's uh, it's a little hard to pour uh, water on those seeds because it's it's more likely to to wash them away, and so you, and I've done the same thing you're talking about is just put my hand over and let it drizzle down off the hand. And that's the same idea as you use when you're using a rosette or a one of those uh, special um, uh, watering hoses that has a, a really soft, a really s- soft soaker uh, setting, and yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and as far as calling in twice, please be my guest. Okay. I'm, I'm more than <laughs> thank you. More yeah, than okay, happy. Another to... question: Daikon radishes. Yeah. Um, I had I, I watered them the night before. Yeah. And then I I went out. They're about two. They're three inches high, maybe or yeah. so. Oh yeah. And and uh, and I uh, got out the next morning, and one of them had been clipped right off, like, <laughs> like three pieces of leaves or something. You know, um, what do we got there? <laughs> More likely, you got a cutworm, uh, and really? and and they'll go right down the line too. You'll see that maybe then tomorrow it'll. You know, and what they're doing is they. You've seen them. Uh, they look like little. Uh, uh, you know they've got their bright uh, orange color, and they curl up. No, no, no insects at all. Well, you won't see them. They only come out at night. 
But oh, okay, get my but, flashlight out. Well, I, even better, take a pencil and just go around where the stem is left, right? And if you keep going around in circles, eventually you'll find them and you can pick them right up and crush them. Uh, the other thing that you can do, of course, is just put a small collar on it. You know, any kind of paper or cardboard will work. You know, it doesn't need to be anything uh, too uh, too special, but you just need to stick it down in about an inch or so uh, to to prevent the, the worm from wrapping himself around the stem and, and eating through, basically, is what they do. They don't use any of the rest of it. They just take that little itty-bitty part there that they, that they oh. eat of the stem. Okay. <laughs> so you put, like, a, like a cup... Without a with open bottom, right? Yeah, the whole yeah, that's right. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. You and uh, each one of them, I got nine per square. Oh yeah, perfect. Yep, yeah, yeah. So you make sure you just uh, you know go around there, see if you can find him. And if you can't find him, um, uh, you know you you can do the collars will will be more important for you. That's true. So I can dig up the stem that's left behind. Dig in when he might be under the ground. Yep, yeah, or or check check some of the new ones too. Just sort of dig around, you'll find that little cutworm. Okay, all okay. right. Well, thanks the, a lot, Peter, and yep. looking forward to the shiitake talk. Okay, great. And I think uh, we have Steve on the line. Hey, Steve. Hi. Yeah. And Sarah, are you there too? I am. Hi, Peter. Oh, welcome. It's so good to hear you. Um. So uh, I don't know if you heard my intro, but I was uh, I was thanking you for for introducing us to shiitake mushrooms because we really enjoyed it a lot, and and Deb was so excited. I heard her. I was inside, and I heard her say, "Oh my God, I've got mushrooms!" You know. Oh, isn't that fun? It yeah. really is like magic. They were just. We hadn't. Uh, we hadn't done anything um, uh, to them at all, you know, yet. And uh, and they volunteered all on their own. <laughs> yeah, this year there's been a lot of volunteers on ours too. Oh, good, good. I I don't know what brings that on, but boy, it sure was welcome. I mean, we literally got a shopping bag full, so <laughs> it was it was yeah. great. And of course, so, you know, I I cut them up into strips and I stir fried them with onions and a little bit of soy sauce and olive oil. Well, and then, and then I'd use just a little bit, you know, maybe, oh, maybe a half a cup or a cup of uh, tomato sauce, you know, spaghetti sauce, and then mm-hmm. just kept letting them, you know, fry down a little bit. And then we had some of the the egg noodles, you know, and uh, we cooked those up. Those were so nice and soft, and then mixed them in with it. And what a what an absolute treat, uh, you know, honestly. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, what got you guys started into shiitake mushrooms? Well, we um, we actually took a course that was being offered by um, a combination of the UVM Extension Service and um, the Cornell Extension mm, mm. And they were um, doing a study on the best way to grow shiitake commercially. Mm-hmm. So the way they recruited people is um, they offered this workshop that was like, a, I think, a two-day thing uh, or a couple hours, yeah. two days in a row or oh. two weeks in a row. Yeah. And they basically taught us the whole process. And then they were looking for people to who wanted to gear up to like 500 logs and do it commercially. And uh, that wasn't us, really, because we were still employed full-time. And it was, yeah. it's more of a hobby for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, what did you end up with uh, for logs? I mean, I think at the at the high point when you had the most there, 
Oh, the most we probably we had about four hundred. Uh, we're down to about three hundred now. We think down uh, to. <laughs> we've been doing it about ten years, and most years we inoculate another fifty or a hundred logs. A couple of years we felt like we had enough and didn't do any more. <laughs> I can see that, and and uh, so so um, one of the things that we learned from you guys was that. In order to get the the logs to bloom, you shock them, and uh, the shock of the log is basically, from what I recall, is um, you put them in uh, cold water for what is it, twenty four hours or forty eight? Forty eight hours. Forty eight hours, right? Four works, but we've mostly done forty eight hours. Okay, yeah. So they you stick them in the water, and that that basically shocks them or or stimulates them into into flowering. That's right, essentially. So uh, the um, sort of process is um, you the logs are cut uh, before the trees leaf out. We use sugar maple mm-hmm. because we have mostly, but you can also use oak or hot corn beam or uh, red mm-hmm. maple, whatever. Yeah, red maple. Um, mm-hmm. So. If we cut them into, um, what is it, three foot length? 33 or 34 inches long. There you go. They're like four to seven inches diameter. Um, And uh, so they're cut before the trees leaf out. And then within six weeks, they're inoculated. We purchased a sawdust spawn um, and... uh, the way there, there are other ways to do it, but we drill holes in the logs and insert the sawdust on and coat it with cheese, uh, food grade cheese wax. And yeah. then they lie in the woods for a year. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Um, and then when we want to fruit them, we bring them up and soak them in the cold water, usually for two days. Um, and then you just lean them up and wait. And four to seven days, depending on the weather, they like. Uh, they like warm weather for fruiting. Mm-hmm. They, you have what's called a flush, and, <laughs> and you know, as you've seen, the whole log can be covered with mushrooms. <laughs> Deb, uh, Deb took a couple of uh, my wife. Deb uh, took a couple of logs down to my son in New York, uh, just outside of New York City, and he has a backyard there. And I swear. He had the biggest, most incredible shiitakes, and he barely did anything. And he was he was absolutely beside himself, thrilled with uh-huh. with, <laughs> with gardening in a little shady spot behind his his uh, postage stamp, you know, uh, uh, a backyard. And uh, that's wonderful. I bet they like the warmer weather there. In a good protected spot, the the big. The big mistake people make is letting them dry out too much. So they have to rest in a in a um, protected spot, protected from sun and wind. So when you say protected, you're saying like uh, just under the the awning of uh, trees, like that. Correct. Yeah. Because they have to. Uh, they, they have to. They can't dry out, so you can't have them under a roof. You mm-hmm. know, because they get wet and the snow cover is good for them in the winter and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. So when you um, as I recall, we put the wax on where where the drills, you know, where the drill holes were, after right. after they were inoculated with that sawdust, and uh, I remember that tool that 
it just stuck in there and then you sort of whacked it with your hand or, yeah. you know, and yeah. and that drove it in there. And then we waxed over that. But I couldn't remember. Do we wax the ends of the logs, too? We no. don't. No? Uh, you kind you, you kind of have to leave the ends open so moisture can get into the log. Oh, okay. All right. That makes good sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually uh, sort of what you would call green wood that's dried out for a little bit. Uh, what was the time between the time you cut them and the time you inoculate them? Within six weeks. Yeah, six, six weeks. weeks. Oh, okay. All right. They, so uh, when they're cut live, they're full of sap, and the sap is sterile. There's no other spores or anything from other kinds of mushrooms. So mm, mm. then, when you inoculate them, it's got only shiitake. I got you. I got you. I suppose you've you've other other mushrooms will contaminate them. I see. Yeah. I suppose you've seen this a few uh, shiitake mushrooms growing up out of a spot here or there around the house. No. Not really. No. Think strong about spraying. Like when you you don't see them growing wild here much. Oh, okay. You would think you might because, I mean, there's obviously a lot of shiitake spore kicking around here because we we do a lot of logs. Well, sometimes there's a log that completely rots to the point where it's falling apart and we just throw it in the woods. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I use use bark in my paths on the garden, and uh, I have seen one come out of there so i didn't know if that was if that was going to be a trend or not so just rolling back um you you're cutting these things in the in the the early early spring not not during the summer or or could exactly during maple sugaring season okay all right that that way there okay good and then um so you wouldn't really do this in the fall it's pretty much something you you got to do right in the spring no, you definitely, you also can't um, just sort of take a fallen tree and use it. Mm. And um, Cornell Extension has done extensive research on the best ways to um, to do it successfully, mm-hmm. you know, grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a website that's got a ton of information on it. Oh, okay, so, I'll check that out. I'll check that out. And that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, so just, uh, you know, for a family, what would you say, you know, if you wanted enough uh, to free some or, you know, and to have s- some fresh during the summer? Um, what you can expect is, um, well, each log can be fruited twice a year. Okay. At, uh, like, probably... Six weeks apart. Yeah, exactly. Okay, six weeks. Okay. On average, each log should produce about half a pound per fruiting. A half a pound of mushrooms, though, is kind of hard to to imagine. Is that... You know what a school lunch bag, like the size of a... Yeah, um, yep. Yeah, okay, so a a pound of shiitakes fills a school lunch bag. Totally to the top. Right to the top, okay. (laughs) But you guys know that pretty well, right? (laughs) The one log will do that in one year. However, what we have found is that um, the first year you're fruiting them, you tend to get a little bit less. Mm -hmm. The third years tend to be the, 
the biggest, the most impressive. Yeah. And then start to wane a bit as the log rots more. Mm-hmm. So um, you could figure 10 logs would probably give you about 10, 10 pounds over the course of the, the fruiting season. Something. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that, you know, uh, 10, 10 pounds being 10 lunch size right. paper so, bags. Yeah. And, and the thing that's nice about it is it's not like you get 10 pounds at once. Yeah. You get focus, right? Like that's how the garden is. Okay. So, great. Great. It's not like zucchini. You can, uh, you can do uh, fruit it when you fruit it. You, you choose. So okay. we sell the mushrooms as well as the logs, so we want to have a regular steady supply. So. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, so if you have questions for uh, Steve and Sarah or any questions about uh, shiitake mushrooms, now is the time because you have uh, the experts right with us here. And... Um, um, or call with any questions you have about the garden, that's fine too. But if you have something specifically about shiitake mushrooms, that'd be great. So um, where we left off, uh, Sarah, you were saying about um, uh, you sell the mushrooms uh, um, probably locally around here, I assume. But Are you there? What's that? <laughs> Did we uh, lo- lose uh, Steve and Sarah, or we just... Uh... Oh. No, we're there. Okay, there you are. Yeah. Okay, so um, this year we're just selling them through the Maple Corner Community Store at the Mushrooms because oh. of the COVID situation. Yep. Usually we sell them from our house. Oh, I um, see. The logs we're selling from the house, so if somebody oh. wanted logs... Um... Okay. What's the best way to get in touch with it if they want a log? Um, they could um, go to our website, which is randomgardens.com. Okay, random, R-A-N-D-O-M, garden, G-A-R-D-E, uh, com. Okay. Um, or they could call Steve at um, 371-9808. Oh, okay, great, super. Yeah. Um, well, that's great, that's great. I, uh uh, that was that's one of the things that got Deb going. Is she uh, got some logs? You know, bought some logs from you guys, and she just kept going until she, I think she had twenty five at one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's kind of a production to um, inoculate them, mm-hmm. um, and what we usually do actually um, to save labor and just for fun is. Um, have an inoculation workshop where so people come and learn all about yep. the logs and how to do it and help us out. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's some specialized tools that we have. Yeah. That yeah. I believe Deb has been up doing that. She has, yes. So has your son. Yep, a couple of years in a row for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, it was uh, a really great workshop. I I really enjoyed it a lot, and uh, it got us going on. And, uh, and the cool thing about uh, the uh, mushrooms is they freeze so well. We yeah. we freeze a fair amount of them. We actually cut the stems off, and we use those for soup stocks. You know, with uh, yeah. when and yeah. freeze those, and when when all the rest of the, the the carrots and celery and stuff come in, we'll make up soup stocks with uh, with those uh, shiitake mushroom stems. And yeah, oof. yeah, I do too. The other things I love to do is um, is stuff them like with a. Uh, uh, cream cheese and breading. Basically. Really? 
and um, either bake them or, uh, yeah, usually bake those, um, and they're really good that way, too. The other thing is if you let them stay on the log a little bit longer until they flatten out, yeah. um, and then uh, you can coat the gills with uh, olive oil and garlic, that's mm. what I like to coat them with, and then mm. grill them mm. until they look crispy. Oh, man. That sounds so good. <laughs> sounds yeah. delicious. It is. Uh, so, yeah, we freeze them, too, so we can have them all winter. Oh, I usually yeah. slice them up and saute them briefly in, um, again, olive oil and garlic. We grow garlic, too, so we have mountains. <laughs> I've, I've seen your garlic from the road. Uh, we do have Rich from Starsboro, who is, uh, I think he did a, a workshop uh, and tried them. So he has some questions about uh, growing shiitake. So, Rich, you with us? Yes, yeah. I went to a workshop last year and I, and uh, did a bunch of inoculation and and all that stuff and learned about it. And uh, they uh, one of our rewards is to take a log home. Mm. And I learned later that a that beach is sort of like middle of the road in quality of, for the species to select for for doing it. But it's a anyway, it's a beach. And uh, from my understanding, I was supposed to let it sit in the shade for a whole year. And then go soak it in the following spring, which I did. I went and soaked it down kind of in a swamp. And, and I only did it for 24 hours. And I went down partway through and rolled it over because part of it was up out of the water. It didn't completely sink. And then I put it back in the shady spot. It's up, kind of up on two tuba force. Only got one log. And nothing's really happened to it. I do have those things on the end that show that there's some kind of fungal growth on each end of the log, but other than that, I think it might be too dried out. Any ideas? Hmm. Well, well, if you've got the, um, the, the, the my, I have a couple of ideas. One is that if you've got the um, typical white mycelium showing at the ends, it should probably not be dried out. It, a lot depends on the um, temperature outdoors. So, like, we soaked them um, just before we had that cold snap, and those logs did not much. Mm. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, and, and be, it'll be four to seven days under the best conditions before you see any, although you should start to see, like, little pimples. Little pimples. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's been yeah. seven weeks at least. Oh, <laughs> Should I go soak it again, or yeah, I would give it like I would let it rest now for um, since it didn't fruit maybe four weeks, weeks or yeah. so, um, and then soak it again. Mm. Rest it for four more it. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll give it. But a I've never heard of people using beach for shiitake. Right, I don't know. I uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's a that's a question mark in my mind too. Is uh, that I don't know if there's enough tannin in the. I think that's the thing that you want in the logs, the oak and the maple and the. But I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was reading. I actually went to that. Think of my. I did go to Cornell some, and I've actually been to Arnott Forest where they doing the the research on the, some of the yeah. logs and stuff. I was there for deer hunting, but that's a different thing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, that, um, but I, I think I read that they did give beach a rating, and they called it, they kind of gave it mediocre, not not non-workable. But could it, would it be okay to like 
every couple of days just kind of give it like a little spray with a hose or something or or just leave it alone? That won't between now over the next four weeks. I mean, you shouldn't, uh, you can test that. We have never had to um, water ours, although there okay. are people who have. But we have ours um, on, a, on a north-facing sort of slope, so it's protected uh, from wind. No wind at all. But, uh, it's like in our little hollow. Yeah, hmm. Ideally, keep it like under an evergreen tree. Uh, so yeah, that it's under a cedar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mainly just don't want to see the sun to hit it, you know, much. Um, um, or wind. But it doesn't sound to me, if you've got that typical white uh, sort of cross, typically is what you'll see, or just what we do, mycelium is usually white at the ends of the log. Yeah, they line up with the inoculation holes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's still a good log that maybe maybe it didn't like the weather. It was a little too soon, or just a, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you do let them lay dormant for a whole year after your inoculation, right? Yeah, yeah. You, our sit for we do ours usually. Yeah, we inoculate them in May, and then we never touch them. The first time would be June of the next year. Hmm. Oh, I inoculated it too early. I inoculated it uh, like in April. Well, that's probably. That's fine. I mean, not uh, not inoculate. Uh, soaked it. You soaked it, yeah. Oh, that's soaked it in April. Great. We never, almost never do it before mid June. Mm. Okay. Too cold. Yeah. They won't. They won't fruit well. So I mean, you you want to. Fruit them, fruit it again before a yeah. nice hot spell they coming need warm up. Weather. You want like you want to be expecting a week of warm weather. Up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go, Rich. Get that right now. <laughs> I guess you got your answer, didn't you? you? You were just too anxious to. Yeah, well, to, I was reading it's got to be in cold water. Well, if I did it later, the the swamp would would warm up. You know. <laughs> well, you know, we use a, a just a little tub. Um, you know, because they're I only like think of anything I had. I could maybe use the bucket on my bucket loader, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that would work perfect. That would be great. Uh, the the other thing you can do is just make a um, uh, a trough with a sheet of plastic and mm-hmm. and uh, fill that with water, and and that would work fine. We I've tried that, and that worked just fine. That was that, yeah. that was no problem. It was in a shady spot, so it wasn't heating up with the with the sun, but. Um, I mean, the swamp might be fine. Yeah. It's, like, it's, probably, it's fine. probably fine. It's probably I mean, We know a guy who does all his in a pond. <laughs> you know, and they're floating around in the pond. <laughs> yeah. A, a kiddie pool, bathtub. There you go. Kiddie pool. There you go. That's yeah. it. All right, Rich. Okay. Go get that well, kiddie pool. Tw- uh, 48 hours this time. Yeah, Thank yeah. Very much. 48 hours. That. And you can sit in the kiddie pool with it, you know. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring my little ducky. There you go. That's sure you to stimulate care. the... <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks for the call. <laughs> and, uh, well, this this has been been really fascinating. Are we okay? Uh, okay, we're, we're okay to keep going then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, anyway, we've had so much fun with the the shiitakes and and uh, uh, the uh, I was trying to think of uh, I wrote down all these questions that I had, but so when um, 
Uh, when you're all done with them, you put them back in the shady spot. You sort of restack them in those good right. kind of Lincoln log things. That's a lot yeah. of ha- a lot of handling for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We used to cut logs up to maybe eight inch diameter, but we've really cut back to probably the biggest ones we use now are six inch. Mm. Ten years they're, older. They're, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they're soaking wet, they're heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds me of my my brother who bought one of those wood stoves that that will burn four foot logs, and I just looked at him and I said, you know, oh, y- yeah. you you're gonna put a four foot log in there with your yeah. back? Oh my gosh. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a hard. You know, when you get older, it gets harder. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I noticed that all his logs were cut two foot, so he's putting them a little smaller in the wood stuff now so uh yeah 32 33 inches and about uh, six inches around and um we're down to down to three but we usually when we go down to four inches probably the smallest oh okay yeah the small ones dry out quicker and they also rot away quicker Mm, mm. at a certain point they're too small but often they produce well they do produce well oh okay all right so the reason we do 30 Three inches usually is a the standard for commercial places is a forty inch log. But our tank is a little short for that. Mm. The other reason is we cut all these thirty two inch logs, and then when we say we're going to inoculate a hundred logs, we get a pile of two hundred logs, and then we pick out the nicest ones as we inoculate, and then we have a reject pile. Yeah. In the reject pile later in the spring, we cut each one in half, and then it's perfect size for firewood. <laughs> and then we burn the rejects. Dual purpose, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In true Vermont uh, fashion. Yeah, no waste. <laughs> no waste at all. So uh, just out of curiosity, what what constitutes a reject log? What what would, you know, when you're you're eyeballing the log, what, what would say, oh, there's a reject? If it had a crack. Or a defect in the bark, mm. or dead spot, or a little piece of rot, ah. or too many branch stubs because you want intact bark the whole way except for the ends. So ah. A nice, straight, clear, nicer wood. Mm. But ones will work, but they're, uh, you can just see by looking at them that that's going to be a nice mushroom log. Gotcha. Okay. It, you know, it also, the same as a lumber log, it would. It just looks like a good, nice, straight, clear wood. Nice, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't. Uh, the nice, clear uh, bark was kind of, that's, yeah, that's bark intact is good. Intact, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Well, that's cool. Um, so, uh, if somebody really wanted to go whole hog and you know uh, get all the equipment and stuff like that, uh, do, can they buy the stuff around here? Or you guys sell that or? Um, we get it all, the tools and the wax and the inoculant we buy from a place in Wisconsin called Field and Forest. The, the wax you can get locally, I guess, but they have the exact right kind and they ship it right here. Yeah. So the thing to know is um, the, the, the Field and Forest website is useful for us is that there are different strains of shiitake. And uh, you, you, so some are warm weather, some are cold weather, and some are um, both. Combination. Combination. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, in Vermont, uh, we typically do use the uh, cold weather streams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For us, there is a place in Worcester, um, and I'm going to have trouble remembering the name right now, but uh, <laughs> they are doing, they have a clean room, a sterile room, and they're, um, they're selling spawn now, not just for shiitake, but uh, other kinds of mushrooms, too, mm. and I they have, um, I don't know if they sell logs, but they did have, like, you can also grow them on, like, sawdust bags. I have. Which, mm-hmm. I guess, all sorts of things like that. And different, they have do oyster mushrooms and a bunch of different kinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the sawdust bags. They seem more like a novelty, just sort of like a, a curiosity to see them grow than actually a production piece, but... Right, I would agree. Yeah. You know, but if somebody just wants to see it happen... Yeah. Yeah. Some of those you can like growing your cellar over the winter. Yeah, you know, sure. you know, I mean, we actually thought about doing some in the winter, but we don't want <laughs> mushrooms in the house. Yeah, <laughs> you have enough mushrooms by that time, I'm sure, <laughs> or enough of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, I I saw th- oh I was in the back of the Mother Ruth news catalog and they they actually advertised uh, um, spawn for morals uh, morels uh, yeah. that you could uh, take like a garden bed you know a four by four box and fill it with sawdust and inoculate it have you ever seen anybody do that I I was kind of curious about that. I've read about it. My understanding is that it's, morels are particularly really difficult hard. to grow. Yeah. So, um, mm. I mean, who wouldn't want to have them? And, I, you know, I think that that's probably um, hard to do oh. and mm. have it work. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise we'd all be doing it. Really. <laughs> morels are really good. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good point there. An- an- another sort of just a curiosity piece. just for. Yeah. So uh, do you think, uh, you know, when you do your inoculation parties, you know, in the spring, is that something that uh, the kids are, or can they do that? Or is that something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kids can do it. We had a, a one, one year we did it for a homeschool group. Oh, um, Oh. just wanted to do it. So, yeah. And the truth of the matter is that their parents did a lot more work than the kids. But, uh, but the kids had fun. You know, when they scored, they run around in the woods and the parents get the work done. Yeah. <laughs> they got it by os- osmosis. The, the drilling is a little dangerous for little kids. Yeah. But the, but the filling the holes... And waxing is not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have hot wax, so yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So you do have to. It would be something that'd have to be. You got to closely supervise that. Yeah, yeah, we right. do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it seems like a lot of fun. Well, that's great. Well, guys, I I really appreciate you calling in. And uh, do you want to give that phone number again? The the or the website. Uh, let's see. Sure. We've got uh, Random Gardens. R a n d o m g a r d e n s dot com. Right. Yes. Okay, so they can get in touch with you there. And then you had a phone number three seven one nine eight zero eight nine eight zero eight, and that's if somebody wants to get logs and stuff. And um, uh, so when uh, you guys also, of course, do uh, grow and sell massive amounts of, uh, of garlic, and uh, I, of course, watch it grow as I drive by. 
and, yeah. uh, uh, and then the, you also do a pick your own uh, raspberries. Yeah. We do. And you're still, you have a crop this year then? We yep. do. Uh, we're going to probably do it by appointment only this year. Yeah. And, yep. You know, it's a smaller operation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, like, but we'll see. Yeah. So do you have time for me to ask you an unrelated gardening question? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Go yep. right ahead. So we've had some a pest for the first time this year um, in the red cabbage and also bok choy. Um, that is like uh, the 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 plant wilt. The outer leaves wilt. The outer leaves wilt, and yeah. you pull the plant, and there's there's a whole bunch of little white worms. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's cabbage root. cabbage maggot. Yeah, yeah. I've had yeah. that. I've had that that's too. Yeah. Now, uh, were these? Never had it before till this year. Yeah, you know, it's it's destiny. You will have it sooner or later. That's right. just now. Were these were these uh, uh, sets that you bought or stuff that you grew? That we bought them. Yeah. A lot of times they come in. They come in on uh, on on the sets that you that you grew in, and it's just uh, the only thing that I do. You have some of them that are still alive, or did it kill all of them? Yeah, we pulled the ones that were wilting as soon as we discovered that there were maggots yeah, in there. Yeah, uh, I have found that if you take uh, some uh, wood ashes and uh, if they haven't killed them yet and just stir it in around them, that kills the maggots. That they, they they don't like that at all, and uh, that does uh, that does uh, um, that does kill them. It sets them back so that the, they grow and you can get a, a decent crop from it. Um, the other thing is, if if uh, once you have them, you know, obviously you've got to make sure you rotate your crops every three years. And the other cool thing is that actually uh, marigolds um, exude something from their roots that uh, that also uh, kills those maggots in the soil. So, you know, if you've got a bed, you could plant a, a bunch of marigolds or interplant them with the other things that you're planting, and then yeah. you can actually uh, you'd want to cut the the flower heads off before they seed because then they'll become a weed in your garden but you can take and and uh, uh, use the the marigold plant uh, sort of as a, a winter mulch and, yeah. and and the stuff that's that's uh, down in the roots is also in the plant too so you could mulch with the with the marigold uh, plants okay. and that sets those um, the cabbage maggot off you know. And do the cabbage maggots winter over in the soil? Or uh, yeah, so it's the same thing. You wanna you wanna make sure you you rake it rake it good, and uh, um, so that you know disturbs the the maggots, the larvae, you know, and uh, uh, so they'll come out and fly around, and you know, and and plant their eggs, you know, lay their eggs in around your garden and stuff. Um, generally speaking, though, if if you've had a problem with it, when you put the sets in the ground, you put that little bit of uh, of um, the wood ashes that that really takes care of it. Um, oh. I've had a couple years that it was where it was real bad, but, and those were all sets that I had gotten, you know, from from uh, uh, f- you know from different uh, places around and. And I had a problem with it, but that took care of it, and and it's it's pretty easy to control. Great, excellent, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank sure. You. <laughs> that's that's what we're here for. <laughs> awesome. Hey guys, thanks again. I really appreciate everything. Any other questions? 
Thank you. Nope, I nope. think we're good. All Thanks, right. Peter. Yeah. Take care now. You too. Okay, one of the sponsors there mentioned, oh, yes, you can get your garden's fountain. I thought, you know, boy, that would be a lot of fun having a fountain out there in the garden. Well, I, I just ordered, uh, and I, I this teaches you to, to shop local and not <laughs> go online like I did on this one. I found a very inexpensive bird bath. I said, I'm just going to put it out on the back deck with a, with a solar panel that circulates the water. Well, it, it all works fine and everything. I didn't notice. I didn't go to notice that it's only about six inches tall. Room for one chickadee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you know, great! It's yeah. Little apostrophes that mean <laughs> inches. One apostrophe means feet, and I guess I don't know. I probably have three apostrophes. <laughs> And a question mark. <laughs> yeah, right. so, well, at least nobody's going to drown in it. That's I can assure you that. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, it happened to my wife too. She ordered a a, a pool for online and uh, uh, didn't notice that it's actually shipping from China. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's supposed to ship from China. Oh, yeah, my. I've got a few things that took an awful long time. So anyway, sh- support our local businesses now more than ever. They probably have it on hand. <laughs> And you could be using it that evening. <laughs> That's right. And more importantly, you'll know what you're getting. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. There's I, a hole in my pool. Get, get, I, you know, get, get me Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, you're in trouble now, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the, one of the – I've often wondered sort of uh, the, as the pendulum swings, right, when people will finally say, you know, this shopping online is okay for maybe a few things, but maybe not for everything. So <clears throat> anyway, we're, we're – uh, we get uh, a few minutes left. Yeah, got about 10 minutes or so, yeah. <clears throat> so if anybody has a, a question about mushrooms or any other question – uh, call in two four four one seven seven seven. Made me hungry to try shiitake mushrooms. Yeah, I All think right. one of the reasons why I've shied away from it is that not at this station, but when I was first starting in Middlebury. Yeah, I came close to losing the station's license with my mispronunciation of <laughs> shiitake. Should I just leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> And I said it several times because it was a part of a menu, part of the the, the Middlebury Inn's uh, special dinner menu. I, anyway, oh, no. you could have just about, and they've got mm. <laughs> not especially appealing. Yeah. You must have been wondering, like, who would want to eat that? But <laughs> I, I almost lost that account. I mean, I did one other thing. I'll make a very short story of it. Yeah, the guy calls in in the morning, and. Uh, his name was Sid. Sid McCartney he was a decent guy, but he was the manager of the Middlebury Inn, and he would read the over, the night before. He would read what the special dinner the next night would be. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's you know usually wonderful roast beef or this that or the other thing. Yeah. But he starts off at the beginning, and he starts out by saying, "Okay, and uh, uh, super juice, and then uh, this vegetable, and then that entree, and everything." And the kid wrote it down, but he wrote it as super juice, S U P E R. And so all day we're promoting, hey, head to the Middlebury Inn. They've got super juice today. It turned out to be soup or juice. <laughs> soup or juice. And, si- and Sid McCartney, who was uh, uh, very much like Bob Newhart. He, he looked a lot more sour than he was. But he definitely wasn't happy when all the fraternity guys showed up and said, hey, give me, want some of that give super. me a mug of that super juice. We're ready to party. <laughs> At any rate, I'm taking from your time. So, <laughs> no, well, that's that's fine. 
Oh, Lordy. Well, we have, um, we have, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of, um, oh, uh, we talked about potatoes last week and uh, healing up the potatoes. And, uh, of course, it's this time of year when you start to, you go out and inspect all the leaves and the different uh, uh, plants that you have. And certainly your potatoes, you want to turn the leaves over and see if you see any of the the orange eggs of the Colorado potato beetle. And uh, and you may see other uh, egg pods in around there. Um, of course, the, the first line of defense is use your thumb uh, to uh, squash the, the, the little larvae there. The second line of defense, and you t- pretty much uh, as soon as you see those, uh, you you might get lucky and squeeze them all and get rid of them. But chances are you're going to have a uh, a bunch of Colorado potato beetles uh, munching on your potatoes. So it's just about time to uh, to spray them for for the Colorado p- potato beetle, and that would be you know a Captain Jack, um, the spinosad. Um, the neem oil also works on that. You could use the BT, but I'm not so sure if it's as as effective as the spinosad. So that would be my first choice. The second thing is uh, I have seen the first of the little uh, cabbage um, cabbage worm moths floating around the the garden um, over the last few days. So I'll be spraying. I'll be spraying all of my my uh, cabbage plant family. Um, the the broccolis, the cabbages, the kale, kohlrabi, Brussels sprouts, all of those things. What's the other one? Oh, cauliflower. Don't let me forget that one. So, we're, <coughs> excuse me. We we'll be spraying. Actually, I, I've got to stop at one of our sponsors here and pick up a, a sprayer. My my uh, old sprayer is finally finally done in. It's I don't know how many years old, but after a while, the little pump starts to go. And I guess you can take them apart and replace the parts, but I've never had real good luck with that. So I'm going to stop by and grab one of those and and get some of the spinosad, do my uh, asparagus again for the, the asparagus beetle, um, all of the broccolis. Uh, oh, and that was the other thing I had, um, my, uh, my uh, uh, Swiss chard has the uh, leaf miner in it. You can tell the leaf miner because they they basically just uh, eat all of the green out of a leaf and leave the skeleton of the leaf there. And you can see these sort of brown patches of where they've eaten eaten a bunch of the, the leaf out. Um, and and that's that's the leaf miner. Uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not um, fatal or anything like that. I just ruin a few leaves. I just pick them and then uh, let them dry out in the sun so it kills the, the beetles. But um, the thing is, is I'll probably spray those with the, with the Captain Jacks while I'm at it. You say we have a call? All right. Randy, welcome. From Waterbury? No, Waltham. Oh, Waltham. Okay, yeah. good. My, my handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Randy from Waltham, uh, what's going on? Well, uh, I just retired this year, and we've Congratulations. Built, uh, Three four by ten raised bed yep. gardens, which we've transisted from in ground. Yep. Sort of, and they're twenty inches high with a go good top. So when we get old, we can sit in the garden. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> but that said, um, 
not so much this year, but the last three years or so, mm-hmm. everywhere we've been invaded by snails. I oh, mean, yeah. They are just prolific. You can walk down the street. You can... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? They'll, they'll, What's the deal? Well, they'll tend to go in cycles just like every other thing. Um uh, your only really concern is for your garden, right? So yeah, I mean, but they'll, they'll crawl up the house and everything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I, there, there's a, a very good product called uh, Sluggo, okay. and uh, it's uh, organically... Uh, you're a cartoon character, right? <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. On bazooka bubblegum, right? <laughs> and... Um, so Sluggo is uh, is just uh, uh, iron phosphate, uh, and it's in little pellets, sort of like sawdust pellets. Okay. And you uh, you sprinkle those around the the plants that you want to protect in your garden, but you can also put them you know around the base of your house if you if if you're finding they're they're climbing the walls and it's pretty unsightly, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, that, you know, that that works really well. And this is both slugs and snails. I assume you're talking about the... A hard shell snail. The hard shells, yeah. yeah. They're, they're fascinated looking, the hard shells. I mean, well, yeah, but the novelty wears off. <laughs> really quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do like the French. They, they probably just said, forget it. We'll just go ahead and eat them, yeah, you know. Really eat them. <laughs> can't get them. Very, very large. They're petite ones. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> but uh, are they going to leave anything that that we can, you know? If you are they going to leave anything that you would catch outside in the COVID? Oh era, no, we no, worry no. More about <laughs> no, they they really aren't uh, one of the the. They're not a nexus for disease. They're not okay. they're not going to spread any kind of disease for you. Uh, basically, uh, though, they can be voracious. And uh, matter of fact, uh, let's see. I think it was uh, Rich called and talked about um, uh, his uh, his plants being knocked over. Radish plants getting knocked over, and that was a cutworm. But m- when I first heard that, I thought it might have been slugs because slugs will come up and they'll eat a, a whole plant down. Right. Uh, but if the top is left, then that's a cutworm. So. Well, they were spotting our asparagus. Oh yeah. When it was damp. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but now that it's dry, yeah, you don't need to mow the lawn or worry about the snails. <laughs> well, uh, of course, you know you're watering in your garden, so they'll be they'll head it over there uh, real soon. So, well, they've got to jump up to these new beds, raised beds now. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me they'll find a way where there's a will. Uh, so, so the, sluggo, we'll check. We'll check. Yeah, the sluggo. It's so easy to put on. You know, you you oh. actually probably put on more than you need because it's a it's a teaspoon per. Um, uh, three foot by three, uh, three, three square feet. Now, do they ingest it, or does? It, or yeah, it yeah, does they they ingest it, and uh, and it kills them, and uh, you know, so they get sick and die. Well, there'll be a lot of carnage. Uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> but you probably won't feel a bit bad. No, not at all. <laughs> but we're enjoying your show. <laughs> well, good. Do well, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, call anytime. It's appreciated. I was just wondering about snails versus slugs this morning because uh, I was writing about the sluggo and how that's a, a great way to to uh, solve that problem. I, I found my first slug 
uh, you know, eating away on one of my cabbage, smaller cabbage plants. And just, you know, the thing was so big, it was almost the size of the whole leaf. <laughs> and it was just, you know, sucking the life out of that poor little thing. Now, you buy sluggo for slugs and snailo for snails. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how one can be a delicacy and then the other one can ruin your garden. <laughs> Well, in my mind, neither one is a delicacy. <laughs> but I guess, I guess you have to get used to it. Uh, they talk about, oh, never mind. I don't, I don't want to talk about any of those things. <laughs> you know, remember how I mentioned early on, we're just about at the end, but I, uh, I, I actually got a, a report from uh, the, uh, uh, you know, from the extension system here in, in Burlington. And we should have converted it into a newscast, yeah. uh, a news item, but... This is a record year for chipmunks. I had mentioned early on I'd never seen so many chipmunks. Yeah. And they pointed out, and it's the obvious uh, availability of food and the overwintering and just, Mm -hmm. you know, the perfect storm for climate and availability Mm -hmm. of food. And if there's uh, an availability of food for chipmunks, as I'm sure most species, they tend to uh, increase in numbers. However, chipmunks have a knack of really increasing in numbers. (laughs) And they did so this year. I mean, I could see a hundred of them out in my back garden. I can just imagine what they're going to be doing over time in that garden. And you can hear them. They they uh, they chatter at yep. you. You know, they sort of scold you. It's like, hey, get out of my garden. You know, and the ones that come up on my deck when I throw for the ground feeders on my on my de- de- deck. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for, the, for the doves and other birds that prefer on the ground, uh, I can actually pet them. I can just kneel really? and pet them while they're feeling really? their cheeks. No, I can think of a few other things I might, but anyway, uh, the, uh, the one of my uh, one of the guys at work uh, has. Um, well, first he had a fox, and then the next thing you know, he had four foxes. So uh, I think that that sort of uh, those things kind of balance out. And when you get more chipmunks, you get more of those kind of predators. And uh, so well, the, the hawks are always circling overhead. I know they have <laughs> things on their mind that I probably would not want to witness, but uh, such is nature. Huh? That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well. Um, no particular final words other than thanks for calling and thanks for uh, for letting our sponsors know that you appreciate them uh, sponsoring us and hearing us uh, gab away on the radio. And, um, well, uh, let's see. I started out uh, in the in the very first uh, show talking about the uh, Garden as Grocery Store. And uh, we didn't get too far with that, although uh, I mentioned that, you know, 24 beds, uh, if you planted them uh, properly, and, and uh, you could get, uh, you know, about uh, 900 pounds of vegetables from 24, and that would be enough for two people. And uh, next week, I'm just going to touch on uh, the grocery store for fruits and what it would take to, to grow all the fruits for two people Um and so if, you, uh, if you're if you thinking about doing that, listen in. Uh, if you have questions on it, uh, be sure to, to give me a call. Write them down. Now, um, I, I almost forgot this, but um, uh, there is an email oh, now. Finally, we got it. Great. I, yes, and it's pburke at radiovermont.com. It's just real simple. And uh, that goes right to... Um, Write to the uh, uh, to write to an email that I can open up. So if you have questions over over the course of the over course of the week and you can't listen in or call in or you're shy to call in or any of those things, um, you are absolutely welcome to send me uh, the question on the email, and that's uh, uh, p Burke 
That's the letter P-B-U-R-K-E at RadioVermont.com. And uh, that will that will get to me, and I will read them, and I'll I'll answer them on uh, on the radio show, and uh, depending, I'll probably answer them uh, uh, by email as well. Uh, I posted on the Radio Vermont uh, WDEV uh, website uh, a couple of designs for trellises, and I almost forgot to mention this, but uh, I've talked about a few designs, and a few people have uh, uh, emailed me on my regular. Uh, email and asking if I had pictures and stuff, but I had a, uh, when I do my Scruffle Garden classes, um, I have a sketch of all three different varieties and um, uh, so anyway, I posted that on the the WDEV website, so you, or not website, uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is just a reminder is that uh, these shows are podcast and it's real easy. You just go to the WDEV website and you'll see right there, there's a, there's a little menu called podcast. You click on that and Dave Graham's there and in the garden is next to it. So it's real easy. The very, you know, this, this last show will be podcasted and it'll be right there. And then you can go back in the archives and look up some of the other ones if you, you're so inclined. And uh, I actually was listening to a couple this morning and, you know, it's really easy to do. So if you can't, uh, if you can't make it Saturday, um, make it some other time when it's, you know, when it's good for you to get the podcast and then if you have questions on those things you can just email so we're all you know we're all linked in here well it sounds good yeah and uh, we'll see you next week all right joe take care in the garden yeah In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop Main Street in Waitsfield, Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport, by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street Colchester, check out their Mega Monday Coupons, Clausen's.com. Your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, where they have stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. At Route 15 in Wilkett. The Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Do join us again next Saturday at 1230 for In the Garden with Peter Burke.